0: What's up, everyone? This week on the pod, we are talking hardcore. we got a fun episode. I think you're going to like it. We're breaking down the new Scowl LP. We're breaking down the new Chisel LP. We're putting the first HopeCon record up against the first Tragedy record. We got a story from Adam from Excel about Darby Crash, and Dan Sant is stepping up to defend his crown against Jeremy Smith and trivia. Super fun episode. I think you're going to like it, especially because, you know, episode one, the legend Joe Revis, he's joining us again. So that's what's up. Also, I just wanted to talk some other stuff. I went and saw uh, Scowl and Zulu last week. Shout out to Dustin Vogel for the uh, ticket. Much appreciated, my friend. And uh, man, these bands were good. You know, I seen Scowl at the uh, the Powerhouse Comeback show the first night up in uh, San Francisco. They're super good. They brought the heat this past week. And Zulu, good God, man. This might be one of the best hardcore bands I've ever seen live. I mean, I'll just straight say they are, you know, like hardcore has never been better than it is right now. And it has been in the last few years. And it's so fun to talk about hardcore on this podcast with my friends. I love you all for listening and for supporting, but it's all about being in the room and supporting the bands, right? So there are some bands out right now that are the greatest things I've ever seen. You know, I saw Drain earlier this year in September, and they are straight up one of the greatest hardcore bands live of all time. Like, it is crazy. You got to see them. You got to go see Zulu. This stuff is, like, mind-blowing. Being in the room is what it's all about. And so support hardcore. Much respect for supporting the podcast, but support the bands, right? Um, That's what's up. But back to supporting the podcast. Please support it by subscribing to it wherever you listen to it. Also, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, if you could rate it and review it, that would be awesome. I do not know why it matters, but it does, so it matters to me. I've seen uh, those recent reviews. It is much appreciated. Thanks to everyone that's taking the time to do that. I love you all. Also, on the website, 185milesouth.com, there is a playlist for every episode, so click that link. You can check out all the songs that we're talking about, all the bands, because this is about the music that's what's up also while you're there smash that patreon button the patreons are the people that keep this podcast alive one dollar gets behind the paywall we're trying to do patreon episodes every other week and uh it is fun you know we get down we get loose and uh it's a good time also shout out stella happy birthday thank you for all the yellow curry tofu it is much appreciated and uh let's get on with the pod <music>
1: 185 miles south, a hardcore punk rock podcast.
0: Introducing first, the Challenger. Fighting out of the hard corner. From St. Helena, California, by way of Buffalo, New York. Many have tried to stump him. He denied their vision. Blessed with the voice of Bruce, the attitude of Paul, and the spirit of Blaze, it's Jeremy D. Smith! And his opponent. Fighting out of the core corner. From parts unknown, weight unknown... Reason he didn't pick minor
2: threat in the straight edge super seven unknown. It is the reigning, defending, undisputed 185 miles south trivia champion of the world, Daniel. These questions are too easy. Send.
0: All right, and we are going to send the first question to Jeremy Smith. All right, Jeremy. Which member of the Misfits has a name that rhymes with soil? Doyle. (laughs) Point to Jeremy. All right. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. We're just starting this out here. Come on. (laughs) Got to get some off the bat. Plus, I write these for you guys to get seven out of seven. Come on. All right. Dan, let's go to you for your question number one. Dan, what type of flooring... Is in the name of the first track on the No Effects LP, Punk in Drublick. <laughs> well, that
1: is a form of flooring known as linoleum.
0: A point to the champ. See, and that's a question that you would have been butt if someone else got.
1: <laughs> hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna express my brand. <laughs> Being butthurt is my brand. That's right. That's right.
0: All right, Jeremy, the last time you were on here, you got the greatest question I ever wrote that involved Killing Time, and I got to hit you again. Okay. The cover of the Killing Time LP Brightside depicts a person peering through a crack in the door. Does the picture show a chain on the door? And if so, what color is it?
3: I'm going to go with, yes, chain, and it's gold.
0: A point to Jeremy. How about that? All right, Dan, your question number two. And right in your wheelhouse, I serve this one up for you. Oh, God. That's the kiss of death. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Dan, was the white cap song Get Beer on the Cinema Beer Goggles VHS or the Cinema Beer Tay VHS? (laughs) That's on the
1: Cinema Beer Goggles VHS.
0: We go to Jeremy for the potential steal. (laughs) Jeremy, was the Whitecap song Get Beer on the <laughs> Cinema Beer Goggles VHS or the Cinema Beer Tay VHS? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, option number
3: two, the Cinema Beer, did you say Beer Tay?
0: A point to Jeremy. Yeah. Epic steal right out of Dan's wheelhouse. <laughs> Fuck. Okay, and we go to Jeremy for round number three. Jeremy, Youth of Today's LP, Break Down the Walls, originally came out on this label before being later repressed on revelation. That would be wishing well records a point to Jeremy, Dan, kind of step it up. Come on. Here we go. Dan round number three, Dan on the no for an answer. Seven inch, a guitar is depicted. Are all of the six strings intact?
1: Well, are you trying to say that no for an answer um, have like a president of the United States? Uh, peaches vibe going on.
0: I'm not familiar with college <laughs> rock.
1: Come on. You know, you've gone to the country and you've had a lot of peaches. No,
0: I know that I used to go to this shitty oh, yeah. Irish bar by my pad. And like, that was one of the covers people did like this Irish band. It was terrible.
1: Band covered that song.
0: Yeah. Like, Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> it
1: was bad. Um, Well, I'm going to say that all six strings are not intact.
0: We go to Jeremy for the potential steal.
1: Oh my God. Are you kidding me? Jeremy, on the next. After- <laughs> Let me read the guitar. There,
3: there are six strings on
1: Gavin Ogilvy's guitar.
0: <laughs> Another steal from Jeremy. I,
1: I do know there's a final conflict sticker on it. Absolutely, there is. And a minor threat one, I think.
0: Well, Final Conflict, one of the best LPs of 1987 in a uh, not-the-best uh, era for the straightforward hardcore lane. Okay, yeah, let's go to Jeremy for round number four. Jeremy, this New Jersey hardcore band had a split seven-inch with no escape. Also, the, the name is a great 25-to-life song off the Strength Through Unity album. That would be Turning Point. A point to Jeremy. How about that? And Daniel, we go back to you for your question number four. Dan, I, I, I'd like to say there is a disparity in these questions. Butt hurtness aside, dude, is there six <laughs> strings on a guitar? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the the reason that you ask that is because it's probably that there isn't. No, I wanted to serve up an easy one for you, so you wouldn't get all butthurt. Is there? <laughs> well, a now I'm
3: butthurt. <laughs> is there a? Snake on the Blitz album cover?
0: Uh,
3: Is there yeah. six strings on the guitar? I don't know.
1: I don't
0: know. We've been there. We've been there. And that, would, that would be no and then yes. I'm going to um, win it
1: all back on the 25 to life round anyway.
0: Possibly. Possibly. Okay, Dan, your question number four. Zach De la Rocha, or Zach Della Rocha, whatever, played guitar for this band who released a seven-inch on Workshed Records in 1988. Hard stance. Point to the champ. Boom. Don't call a comeback. All right, Jeremy. Round number five. What is Discord Records number two?
3: Discord Records number two would be uh, the Minor Threat Self-Titled 7-inch.
0: We go to Dan for the potential steal. Dan, oh, damn. Dan, what is Discord Records number two? Um, Youth Brigade. No points this round. It is SOA, no policy, seven.
1: I'm trying to think it was one of the four seven inches from the four seven inch EP, you know?
3: <laughs> wow. Dude. We both posed hard on that one. We posed hard. Wow. Well. Drop the ball.
0: And now Dan cannot complain about uh you getting all the easy questions. How about that? <laughs> no,
1: that, that was, was a hard that? question. Well, I mean, Dude, it's just it's discord.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. But
1: you know, when you're on, when you're under the pressure, it's a lot different than just,
0: you know. Hey, I, I understand. I want to be on this side of the mic. Trust me, there's a reason why I host this and throwing up few questions. All right, Dan, let's go to you for your round number five. Okay. This is a great NFL video game, and also one of the greatest Oi bands ever. Oh, uh, blitz! Point of the champ.
1: <laughs> I was like, I've never heard of an Oiban band called Madden.
0: Madden <laughs> <laughs> NFL blitz and shout out to uh, Steve Waialea, who fucked us for years by that superfly play that none of us could defend. What's up, Steve? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go to Jeremy for round number six. Jeremy. Which can, came can, first. Before,
1: before we ask that, can I just uh do a, a follow-up question on Blitz? Sure. <laughs> Is that the one where you would grab players and like suplex them and stuff? Yes, yes. Okay, cool. Yeah, I remember that game. It was great. Hey, man.
0: no rules, dude. Just like the pit. What's up? All right.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy, round number six. Jeremy, which came first? The Earth Crisis Firestorm Seven Inch or the McDonald's baked apple pie. The baked apple pie. Appointed Jeremy, holy shit! Baked apple pie, nineteen ninety two. Firestorm seven inch, nineteen ninety three. So before yep. ninety two, it was the fried apple
1: pie, right?
0: Deep fried. Yep. Yep. Shit, <laughs>
1: that's the one that tasted like a firestorm. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, Dan. Your question number six. Uh, time to get this point, dude. Okay, eight out of eleven songs on Agnostic Front: Victim and Pain have two words in the title name, at least two of the other three songs. What can you explain that question again? Of course, eight out of 11 songs on victim in pain. The title of the song is two words. So that leaves three songs that aren't two word song titles. Name two of the three of those.
1: Oh, okay. I get you.
0: Um, Well, victim
1: in pain has got to be one of them.
0: (laughs) There's one. Um, let me think. Go
1: through the track listing. Uh, uh, United and strong.
0: All right, and power would have been the third. Yep. So point.
1: Oh nine. shit! I would never have got power because I'm thinking of three yeah. word titles, and yeah, that. There you go with the sneaky power. Hey, dude!
0: And point to Zach for another epic question. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. So here are the subtotals moving in to the next round. Daniel, you have four points. And Jeremy, you currently have seven points. Uh Ooh. so Jeremy, we're gonna do this daily double based on uh actually, you know what? Let me hit the fucking music. What's up? Yeah, yeah. All right. Daily double. You got to guess a 25 to life lyrics. Jeremy, you have seven points. How many of those would you like to wager?
3: Uh, I will wager two points.
0: All right. Jeremy's going to wager two. And Daniel, you currently have four points. How many of those points would you like to wager?
1: I'm going to make it a true daily double, Alex. I'm going to risk the whole shebang. <laughs> oh,
0: dang. Here we go. Dan, come with the NFL Blitz. All right. And Jeremy, we are going to go to you first. Got to hit the yellow button. Here is yours. (laughs) Sound
3: like a toilet flushing.
0: (laughs) Well, Jeremy just doubled his points.
3: Oh man, come
0: on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jeremy, I will play it one last time. Here we go.
3: Uh, uh, uh I th- I th- is it is it the song short short views? Is it short views? Uh
0: let me... hmm.
3: short Short and you'll keep it on me. Uh is it?
0: Neither the lyrics, not the song. It, oh, no, not, I know, I know, I know, record. I know.
3: I know, hold on, I'm thinking. Uh, is it, oh, what are you made of? I, I got. Th- I haven't listened to that in a long time. Uh, even though I do like the first two EPs. It's on there. Uh, what are you made of?
0: What, is so it show me what you're made of? No, but a noble effort. It is Fuck. from the song wise to the game. And he says, ah. from the drugs to the beatdowns. Ah, damn it. <laughs> yeah, so, all right. It just, it's
1: not even close. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: all right. Well, here we go. In, I love uh, that
1: that's <laughs> a line. That that's a line. From the drugs
0: to the beatdowns. Dude, <laughs> we got all my straight edge bros on their line. I got I to gotta shout it out to you guys, you know. I keep this in the canon. All right, Dan, let's go to you for your round. And uh, here we go. This is yours. (laughs) Do you like a guess or do you like it played again?
1: I am like, I've got like half the line, so... I've really got to listen to the front part again. If I'm close to getting one, I'm going to fucking, I'm going to Vegas tonight.
0: All right, listen to
1: it. Listen
3: to it. All right. Just flip around the router and read the back of the router.
0: (laughs) I know. (laughs) Get done with this shit. All
1: right. I think I've got it. I really think I've got it
0: six foot two what you gonna do oh my god off by a word no (laughs) (laughs) that hurts and it hurts the week that we don't have Ben to be like we want to give this to him or not but uh oh my
1: god come on
0: no dude because it it goes against the purpose of what he's singing about so he says six on two what you gonna do
1: oh Oh, yeah. yeah
0: Yep. Yeah, yeah.
1: I thought he's he like, was saying like he's fucking slightly huge because six foot two is <laughs> not
0: that big. Six foot two. What you're gonna do? That's so what I thought he
1: said. Fuck. So close,
0: off by a word. The most noble effort we've had to date. But uh, yeah, man. So the totals are uh, the de- the defending champ Dan Sant with uh, two points and dethroned by Jeremy D Smith 5 points good god oh redemption redemption they're one on <laughs> one dude we're going to go to that swing match in a couple months and it's going to be fire what's oh, up Oh, that furious furious yeah, yeah man okay oh, what man.
1: what's the what's the 25 to life song that i almost got what's it called
0: well this one is fight dirty that's the one you almost got
1: okay that's going to be my new
0: favorite 25 to life song (laughs) one of of the two great late 25 to life songs but uh okay let's wrap this up
4: way to go dude
0: what's up everyone this week on the pod we are talking hardcore helping out you know him you love him he is episode one he is the legend joe revis what's up joe hey how's it going everybody also helping out it is the sailor man from foreign lands it is the best dressed man on the pod it is daniel sant what's up dan
1: this is how it feels to be lonely this is how it feels to be small
0: yeah man all right so we are talking some newer punk and harker records that started out and uh, i wanted to discuss the scowl lp the where flowers grow and also the new chisel lp which is uh, Retaliation, right, Dan?
1: Yep. Uh, I think Bert named it.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow. That uh, that hits me in a, uh, a soft spot there.
1: I know. Uh, Bert's, <laughs> Bert's throwing his phone across the room right now. But it it That joke was there for the taking. I had to go for it.
0: <laughs> I know. Now everyone's confused. So I'll, I'll say it. So Built to Last did a reunion show. And Retaliate played, and they got like professional posters made and put our band name as Retaliation. So that was sorry. And <laughs> whatever. Anyway, you know what's not sorry, dude? Is these two LPs, the scal LP and the Chisel LP, they both deliver. Both of these, uh, you know, modern hardcore, like when bands are putting out putting out LPs, like they flirt with putting out like the singles first and f- so forth, and that can kind of go either way. Um, you know, this year we've seen like the, the Ikulu LP come out and I think like the single they put out for it didn't necessarily represent like what the record was going to be, which I think is like maybe the best hardcore record of this year. Um, so that was like a great surprise, even though I do like that song and I especially like it in the context of the LP. I don't know if it necessarily represented the LP. And then you have the other side with like the one step closer LP you know, that song really did represent the LP, but it was probably the best song on the record. So that's kind of like a weird dance you got to make when you're like deciding what single to put out for your record. And uh, so, yeah, first up, the Scal LP, How Flowers Grow, it came out a few weeks ago. And uh, I think the single they put out, the first single was the first track on the album, Bloodhound. And then they put out whatever was like the, the kind of non-hardcore song, the Seeds to Sow song, I believe.
1: Yeah, and, they did uh, a video for that.
0: Yeah, this this band's does such a good job with like their imagery, and then also, I don't know. Would you consider music videos like a part of the imagery too? It's like the the audio and visual package of this band are both like top notch. Would you say that, Dan?
1: Yeah, and I definitely think uh, videos are a you know now that lots of people can shoot things on their phones and stuff. Like yeah. it's just another way for bands to give you like a little more of a taste of what they're about. You know, and it also helps with social media and promotion, et cetera, et cetera. Also, yeah, there's ha- so many creative people out there that, you know, if you're a creative person in a band, you've probably got a creative friend who knows how to put together some awesome visuals, you know,
0: for sure. How do you like this LP and what was your familiarity with this band? Like before this LP came out?
1: Um, Are you asking me? I am. Yeah. Um, I love this LP. Like I've since this came out, I've listened to it probably like 60 times. Like I've really I play it at work a lot, which is really funny because, you know, people come into my shop and it's like yeah, man. you know, it's like she especially on the parts where it goes really chuggy and like uh slow and she gets really demonic. It's super cool, but maybe not the best thing for retail, but whatever. Um, so I, I was pretty familiar with them. I've seen them open up a few shows before this LP came out. Um, but the time that they really captured my attention was when they opened that, um, massive tsunami gulch drain show in San Jose, uh, that was right before Delta came on the scene or maybe Delta was there and present, but <laughs> it was right before we all knew about Delta. So you felt pretty decent being in a in a parking lot with like 2000 kids (laughs) all going crazy um and scowl opened the show and i was just like this band fucking rules like um it was just such a a different kind of sound like than what we were going to get later so it it was a it was nice to see that but i was really happy to find that the um, LP and the recording of the LP came out really great. Um, I love so much on here. Um, it, it's funny that you you talk about that, you know, the non-hardcore song, what you might call it, like the one that's a little bit different. It's so like X-Ray Specs meets like Lana Del Rey. You know, it, she's singing really... Uh, I don't know, beautifully, I suppose, over that, you know, kind of crazy uh, saxophone part, which gives me total X-Ray Specs vibes. Um, But the first song, Bloodhound, shit, that's so sick. And then um, the next song, Dead to Me, is also an incredibly uh, aggressive song, and it's about like taking revenge on a like a sexual predator or something that's my guesstimation of what it is from listening to the song a few times and it it's it's really cool i can't find the lyrics anywhere uh to the things and i, I haven't received my lp um from the mail order yet um Uh, trophy hunter that song is really hard and i love how it's super hard and then goes into that seeds to sow song which is the you know the x-ray specs-esque one um sam from drain is on that song fuck around which is on the second half of the lp and it's super cool their voices sound really great uh together and he, he like totally does like one of those patented drain, like, yeah, <laughs> you know, like super psyched. But the song that interests me the most out of everything, um, that's a bit different from everything else on the LP, is that song Four Walls. It's later on in the LP. It's really good, but to me, it sounds so much like ceremony. Like, um mm-hmm. almost like it's uh I don't know. You you know, Ceremony have that song. uh, Well, they have two that this song reminds me of doldrums and like uh, in my head, I think it's what it's called. But this song is almost like a, almost like an homage to it to an extent.
0: Yeah. It's the the second to last song on the record. And it's, it's a great slow song, which is like, I've always considered that one of the hallmarks of great hardcore bands is like, can you pull off the good slow song and not just have it be like, oh, there's a token slow song on the LP. Like this is good. And the, you know, they do all the harmonics on it, which like really add dynamics in the song.
1: Yeah, definitely. That I mean, that that's a perfect way to sum up if a band can bring it like and has variety. And I love that they show that with this song and then they also show it with the the other song where she sings clean instead of screaming and then the last song um is is super great too because you know it ties the visual aspect of the album together because it's called how flowers grow and and um i think it's it's really cool about growing as a person essentially you know mm. Um, I really dig this band. They're from Santa Cruz slash San Jose slash, you know, just like all the bands up here uh, uh, a little bit, let's just call them Bay Area. And uh, I'm psyched that they are around this area because then I get to see them, uh, you know, more often than unfortunately most people will. So um, I really dig it. I think um, they're – gonna just go onwards and upwards from this but i think this lp is gonna get them a lot of attention and get you know a lot of people really riding for him
0: yeah we should say that that last song on the record um that's the only track that is over two minutes this lp is so palatable for being like a relatively brutal hardcore record um first off like the recording is so bright and you can hear everything which makes it so nice right like they're not trying to be a raw hardcore band and like get like a raw shitty sounding recording they're like we just are raw try to make everything you know come across and hear everything right like the rawness is in our music we don't need to like larp and like get some whack recording to try to sound brutal like they just sound brutal amen
1: <laughs> amen to that zach because yeah that's one of my biggest pet peeves with some of these like really brutal bands where it sounds like it's just a swarm of bees in your ear on the recording. Do you know what I mean? Like, whereas this, yeah, everything is, you can hear it all and it sounds amazing.
0: Yeah. And, and so like this LP, it just, it really flows. It's really easy to listen to for music that is not super, you know, easy on the ears. Like it's, it's true hardcore. Right. And uh, I think it starts out with like memorable first notes, which is important for an LP you know, like, you drop that needle, it hits, like, something that, like, sounds familiar right away, which is super rad. Um, Throughout the album, lots of tempo changes. I love that they keep, like, things super simple on some parts. Like, mm-hmm. they're not trying to be zany. You know, like the, like, the second track that just starts out with, like, that really basic drum beat is so ill. Like, I love bands that go there, and that's kind of like a Bay thing, like, right now. Like, both Tsunami and Gulch, like, they both have parts of their songs that just do like an actually more simple drum beat, like just they go do that, do that, do that, kind of like that caveman beat that we talk about. Yeah. So it's just, it's super cool. Now the vocals are a little bit buried, I think, but it's so crazy because, so they're buried and she snarls a lot, but somehow like they're actually kind of clear and you can understand like half the stuff that she's saying, which is pretty wild when you think about it, right? Like they're a little lower in the mix than I would have liked. And she's like going for it, but still like it's, you can pick up on some stuff. That's just, it's like a wild thing. Like my brain isn't computing it, but it's super cool. Um, The song Roots is probably my favorite track. It has like a a good slow breakdown that's like on the toms. But I love that like when it does the transition to the ride cymbal and she doesn't sing on that part. So like lets it breathe. It's really cool. And then, uh, yeah, I made notes on that Four wall song that it's, like, a killer slow song with uh, big-ass dynamics. Overall, this LP is, like, I was surprised how much I liked it. So uh, much respect to Scowl. Joe, what was your take on this LP?
5: Yeah, so y- you guys touched on a, pretty much everything I was going to say about it. You know, all the songs except that last song are under two minutes. Most of them are under a minute 30 or really close to a minute 30, which is nuts it's a 10 songs okay so it's not a ton of material but it's like just enough to like like man i'm gonna listen to that again you know like like it makes you feel like you like 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 you can take it again because it's it's not it's it's not an overload of 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 stuff um you talked about uh the quality of the recording i found it odd that it doesn't that it didn't uh that they didn't go the route that you guys were talking about, that you're glad that they didn't go. And I'm glad they didn't because, because it sets it aside from everything else. Um, You know, like trying to, trying to make it sound like, you know, you know, some profane existence stuff or something like that, where, you know, you know, making it break up on purpose. So just to give it that, uh, you know, uh, grime edge to it or something like that. Yeah. the you know the uh the the two the track five sees the so so it like you guys said it's a it's different than any, anything else on the record now i understand that they they have other stuff like that on previous i think an ep or something that came out before at least a song like that or i'm not sure if they ever went that far tracking well yeah let me let me let me rephrase that tracking into into getting to that
0: point right they give a little teaser maybe
5: yeah 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 you know like like this is this we're we're dabbling in this and then here here's the full the full-fledged thing you know i i I dig that i dig that a lot um all the songs are good um I, i liked what you said about that you know they didn't go crazy with uh uh you know musical you know flirtations you know there's no shredding or anything like that it's just power throughout from top to bottom um and and i really dug that
0: yeah i think that's a great way to put it and i also think that you know joe you highlighting like the length of this is really important because this thing is like the perfect length for a hardcore record yeah yeah you know it's It's like that early 80s shit where like Mm -hmm. you know this like LPs come out and it's like, is this an EP or an LP? It's like, it's enough material that you're like, okay, this isn't like a teaser. It's not like a three song seven inch or something. Right. It's like a nice chunk where like you get a, I don't know, a a nice piece of the band. that are like fully represented, but it doesn't drag. Like this is so palatable. And like, like you said, like you get to the end of it and you're like, fuck, I'm going to listen to that again. You know, like this is where it's at, dude. The 15-minute hardcore record, like, holy shit. It is, like, lengthwise, this thing is absolutely perfect. Like, I would love to see that replicated over and over. Um, Dan, any final thoughts on this record before we move on? Yeah,
1: I mean, Joe kind of, you both touched on the fact that, like, yeah, vocals are uh, buried in the mix, but those parts where it goes down to, like, the chuggy parts and she really starts snarling and stuff – then it, it then they they almost rise up and it just it's so hard it's maybe because the music like isn't strumming all the way through or something but i i love it and like i said i've listened to this about 60 times since it came <laughs> out so i'm really digging it it's yeah it's gonna be uh you know one of the ones of 2021 i remember
0: yeah. And I saw them open the first night of the powerhouse reunions. They opened that show and they were great. So like Daniel said, delivered live. Now they've delivered on LP format. Fuck. Yeah. gal, What's up? Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the chisel LP retaliation. This is like, man, this is one of my most anticipated LPs that's come out in the last couple of years. Dan, I'm sure you're in the same boat. Uh, how do you feel about this one?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm you know, like I said, I was really looking forward to this, especially after the Flexi, because you and I both have remarked that the second song on the Flexi, like, is just the best like messaging and music of of the year, you know. When we get to that Super Seven, we're gonna be fighting for that song, I bet. Um But this came out and like, you know, you just said on the Scout Thing that the first couple notes you hear on the LP like let you know what you're getting into. It's so funny. Like the first couple notes on the first song, Unlawful Execution, it's essentially like youth of today. But then, but then everything else kicks in and it's so not youth of today. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Let me jump in on that. Like that, that was my biggest surprise of this because they've just done little like, samples of music, like, throughout their career, I guess, if we want to use that that word, which <laughs> feels so awkward, yeah. but uh, I did not know what to get, like, where this LP would go, you know, and it starts out with a rager, like Dan saying, and I think that that's, like, kind of my biggest takeaway, which is surprising in a great way, is they kind of just turned out a great hardcore record, you know, and it's, like, they have these, like, faster bangers that Really cut up the album nicely, and they make like the melodic street punk slash oi tracks stand out and be like these these great tentpole songs. Yeah. And Dan, go back to you.
1: Yeah, so it it comes out the gate with essentially five blasters in a row. You know, it's it's pure like oi hardcore. You know, it's it's almost what you would think if. Slapshot started in two thousand and twenty-one. What they would sound like to an extent, you know,
0: um, yeah, but a, a tiny bit more ma- melody, right? And then also, oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like when you think about like straightforward, like maybe oi hardcore, like it's more street punk than like like an eighty-six mentality or something. You know, they they really do lean into the melody big time sometimes.
1: Yeah, either. I, I think I think that's just basically being. A skinhead band to an extent you know um, and going off of the lineage, especially because they're English, going off the lineage of of all those records that came before um one thing that is really great about the l p is that I would say eighty percent of the songs are angry politically based lyrics um Railing against what society is nowadays and how the powers that be divide us, divide, um, stoke up anger amongst people that should be uniting. Do you know what I mean? There's a lot of that l- lyrically on here, which is, um, you know, it, the lyrics are not, you know, extremely verbose or like, you know, shakespearean sonnets or anything they're very straightforward street punk like lyrics that are getting to the the point so everyone can understand that you know we're not supposed to be constantly under the foot you know we can all come together and do something about it which is touched on on many many songs um I would say, going off of what you said, like the fact that they have so much, like, fast, raw aggression on this LP, it does make the, you know, not the only one, tooth and nail, those, like, very much like in the traditional Coxspara esque sounding, uh, oi. Songs, you know, the ones filled with a lot more melody and uh, a lower tempo. It really makes them stand out to the point where you almost wish the LP was half and half. You know, like that they did more along that line um, because I think they're really firing on all cylinders when they when they hit those lanes. Um, I mean, not to met, not to take anything away from how pissed and fucking great you know the rest of the lp is i think my least favorite song is probably the last one which is the one with the harmonica and the you know it's like a almost like a pogues-esque you know like uh, almost like a shanty like uh ballad at the end but um i i really love this lp i'm gonna you know it's only been out a little while and i've i must have listened to it about you know 25 times already as well like i I was waiting for this one and it has delivered and i'm i'm really psyched on it i want to see where it goes um the other song that doesn't quite do it for me as much it sounds great but the lyrics to the song crockett it's it's just so like so typical oh this you know there's this person for the neighborhood he's fucking hard like I, I like when they're saying something a bit more, which they are doing on ninety-five percent of the LP. So, I I love where their mind is at. I love where their ears are at, and I love what they're giving us. Like the Chisel LP, fucking holds up. It's it's amazing, and I hope they come to America soon.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. Like the last track on the album, though, "Will I Ever See You Again," um, is kind of a swing and a miss. But, like, I appreciate that they're going there. You know, we talked about it on the Chubby and the Gang LP that, like, they did three ballads on that record on the second LP and only one out of three hit. So, like, you got to kind of swing for it, right? And that's the right spot to do it. Put it as the last song on the record and, uh, you know, like it, bump it or dump it, you know? (laughs) I think that's, like, the the right spot for it. So, uh, yeah, overall, I think this record's great. Um, I actually like the recording this time around, maybe because this is the first... Chisel stuff that I've listened on headphones, you know, usually I'm just listening to my truck and their recordings kind of hold the band back. I've thought before. Um, And their songwriting just makes me love the band, like in spite of the recordings. So I don't know if this is a step up or what, but I enjoy it Uh, straight out the gate, that unlawful execution, just raging hardcore track. I love that it caught me off guard and they went there. It just makes them spectacular, right? Like instead of, you know, shocking me with like that last song on the record, like the Pogue stuff, like here they are shocking me on the other end of the spectrum and like stoking me big time. I absolutely love it. And, and also like, it just, it gives those like highs and lows on the record. Like I love, uh, you know, anyone that knows me, we don't talk about on the podcast that much, but I love Tom Waits and I especially love his stuff in the eighties and the early nineties when he like goes into his weird shit, you know? And he has but, these songs on the record that, like, they're, I feel like they're set up tracks, right? Because, like, still his crooners are the best songs, you know, like his 70s type songs. And he still has them, like, when he gets weird. But you have all these, like, little set up tracks that are strange and, and whatever. And they set up, like, the big tracks, you know? And, and here they are, like, doing that song off the Gate, which is, like, a blazing track and is great in its own right. But it sets up, like, the song Retaliation, like, the second song, which is, just fucking perfect, right? Like this is about as good as like Oi or street punk gets in 2021. Like just everything is perfect about it. Like I can't even break it down. Cause how do you like, it's just perfect guitar rock, you know? And then, uh, the third song on the record, they do the come see me song. It's like kind of a mashup of the two, you know, it's like, this is like hardcore and boy, like weird it's a weird matchup that just works because it's such a great band then the so can i song they slow it down a bit and it just sounds fucking hard like they're taking you on a ride on this lp it is so good um the not the only one song sounds very very close to like blitz new age which is funny because i've always wondered why that band that song hasn't gotten like covered to death you know in like kind of punk like to do it with a punk recording instead of like that nice clean recording that bliss has on that song. So here it kind of is, you know what I mean? Like it's so similar. Uh, my favorite track on that record is the tooth and nail song. Again, yeah. it's just like a perfect mid tempo melodic street punk song. It's great. Um, it's this almost record,
1: like, we're coming back by, uh, Coxborough.
0: Yeah. Very similar. Very yeah. similar. You know, I mean, there's so much, uh, Stitch back to like the classic, you know, early '80s Oi stuff. Um, and this drummer's right hand is like the star of the band, you know, yeah. like his like double time on the hi hat is so rigid and so good, and it just keeps the songs having like that pulse. Like if this band did not have a drummer that played like that, they would lose like half the soul. So I absolutely love it. Um. Joe before I shoot it off to you, I, Dan, I just want to discuss like how do you feel about them not putting what I see on this record? Right? Like you write maybe like the greatest song of 2021, <laughs> put it out on a flexi, which is a fucking toy record, garbage <laughs> format. And then hear your LPs coming out and you leave like the greatest song of 2021 off the LP. Like I just think like I I know I'm being neurotic here, but like as a record collector and someone that likes to look at these like big tentpole LPs of bands like it's just i think it's disappointing that like that song didn't make it on like and, and think about it in the context of like some of the the early 80 uk bands that are playing the same style right like what if like cox bar they they do england belongs to me is like a single you know it still goes on the record you know blitz like warriors comes out as a single it still goes like on voice of generation lp right like it yeah. it's not a faux pas to like do that what's your opinion?
1: Um, I say, get rid of Will I Ever See You Again and put <laughs> that song right in its place.
0: Well, I like that they went there just because no, no, I don't like I, the song. I do, I, no, I do
1: agree. I love that they went there. I love that, you know, and it's not that I don't, I probably would like that song against other thing. you know, if it was a single, if it was on its own flexi, I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's sick. But God, if they'd only put ended this LP with that song we're talking about.
0: Oh my God. I know. I know. It it
1: hurts in the source.
0: Yeah. I think it hurts. Not having that song on the record. Like literally you wrote the best song of 2021, like put it on your (laughs) your fucking LP. Come on, you know, but whatever this thing is, is great effort. Joe, what's your take on it?
5: Uh, yeah. So, uh, I just want to talk what you got, what you're just talking about. The uh, you know throwing the the single on to the record. You know that's an old school trick too, though. So especially B- UK band stuff. You know, like the Beatles. That's that's all they did. You didn't get any of the hits on any of the actual Beatles songs. I mean, Be- Beatles albums when the LPs came out. Although there were hits on the albums too. But you know, Strawberry Fields or you know, like all that stuff was wasn't on any records. So. I, I I guess I kind of understand what they're doing, but I would be afraid not to put it on the record. You know, if it if the song is that good, I don't even know what song you guys are talking about. But if it's that good, I would be afraid not to put it, put it on the record. You know, like here here's here's my gravy train. People are going to buy this again, especially if it's a different recording too. You know, for um, sure. Yeah, you know you know what I mean. So, so not not now you get this the the production value of this this new. Uh, version of it or something like that but they didn't so they didn't um uh so there's 14 songs most of them are under a minute 30 um so you know uh like like the previous album this uh is really easy to listen to from from top to bottom you know i i you know i got ADD bad usually and so i'm always clicking to the next song or you know skipping to uh, you know on a playlist or whatever this was really easy just to, okay oh here we go next song okay this is great too okay and and like you, you you guys both had mentioned that they threw little little um little flavors of different styles of you know Street Oi, you know, hardcore, you know, almost some uh, a little bit of new schoolish stuff in there too, you know, like like just hints of it, you know, um, throughout. So I was really satisfied with everything. I liked all the songs. I didn't really get get to read lyrics, um, if those even exist yet. Well, I mean, I know their lyrics exist, but if you can even access them. So I didn't try to do that on this. Uh, so I don't really know what songs are about, but, um the recording as you said is really good i really really enjoyed this um the you know cl- clarity of of you know uh, instrument placements and stuff you know p- the drums pan properly like like all those things w- it was really nice to listen to this with my headphones on so and in my car on my drive home today so cuz this yeah. is the last one i, ne- I needed a, a little bit more to it you know so i listened to it like 3 times at work today so is,
0: is having like your LP easy to make it all the way through like the biggest modern punk and hardcore win, like in the Spotify era, like the fact that you can put out a piece of music and not have people like skip and just have like, you know, a third of your album be banger tracks. Like that kind of seems like the biggest modern win to me now.
1: Yeah. You know, I mean, and both- absolutely yeah. because, uh, Ben and I had had a conversation um, not that long ago where we he, he was saying, like, we were basically just talking about, like, what kind of things we're going to be thinking about for the end of the year lists, you know? And he's like, I don't think I've had one. I like one record that I like front to back. And I'm like, well, that that's not because of the records. That's because we are in the streaming so. world. And it's age, so easy to, to bounce to something else, you know? Yeah, and that's
0: that's why he gets to have his little segment where he rails off some and he's not on the episode. Like this this <laughs> year is so banging, dude. Oh my god. It's uh, when we
1: get when we get to that point and we've got to put just seven songs forward, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump out of window. This year has been amazing. I love this year for Hardcore. You know, unbelievable. Yeah,
0: and- and Dan, that retaliation song is pretty good, dude. I think you should pick that instead of what I see. You know, pretty good <laughs> we'll, fucking we'll song, see,
3: dude.
0: We'll see where the dice roll goes. Tooth and nail, pretty good song, dude. Yeah. Like, you might want to <laughs> pick those, you know? Let me let my list live.
1: True. You know? you know what, though? We might all, we might even have to institute a rule when we get to that area where we can't even pick the same band because there's so much good stuff that we need to talk about, you know? But yeah. we'll still. Um, one thing I, I I do like about this band is that they, you know, I I did say that they have got, you know, very political leaning songs, which is just important in this world where so many bands are saying nothing, you know, and they definitely are, you know, a socialist band talking about issues that are for the good of the working class. And not not just saying working class pride, where lots of oi stuff will fall down in the past, you know, yeah. not fall down, but it just, you know, we're the working class, blah blah blah. This is like, no, these are the problems that are infecting the working class, and we need to come together as the working class and take on the system. And I think that is, I, I, you know me, I'm a lyrics, I'm a lyrics guy. I, I love when bands are saying something, and when it goes along with music and and songwriting as good as this um I really love this l p yeah
0: you know genre based tropes they're great right they're why we love certain genres, and some tropes never get old, you know, but it is really like spectacular when when bands like write lyrics that stand out above and yeah. uh this yeah. this band is a uh, they're a spectacular band right like they're they're awesome. Like we said, this LP was much anticipated. They knocked it out of the fucking park. This is great. Everyone needs to get it. Um, You know, Listen to it on the streaming. Buy the LP. Check out the uh, songs that I'm going to pluck out and put on the playlist for this episode. Remember, on 185milesouth.com, there is a playlist episode. uh, Or excuse me, a playlist link. Click that, and you can check out the songs that we talk about on every episode. Um, But yeah, uh, final thoughts on this LP. Joe, you got anything?
5: Uh, I'm, I'm really glad, uh, it was on the list for, for homework. Cause, cause I really dig it. Um, yeah.
1: Dan final thoughts. Yeah. Um, I, I just got to say to the 185 listeners, at least listen to both of these things immediately on, uh, you know, your favorite streaming platform, but buy them. Both these bands deserve your support and your record collection will be better with both these LPs in them.
0: Yeah, and we've talked before about, like, you know, what what is, like, the purpose of old people talking on podcasts about hardcore, right? Because it really is, like, the kids that should shape what pops, what gets popular, where, like, you know, the zeitgeist of things are, right? I'm down with that. But I do think that, like, one thing we have, like, the experience, like, we can pluck out things that have, like, the merit and the lasting value. And both these LPs upon, you know, the first handful of listens and like who the bands are, like these do seem like LPs with like lasting value. So like Dan said, these are good ones for your collection. Um, You know, I don't think of these are like flash in the pan bands by any means. I think that both these LPs are fucking great. And uh, that's that. So uh, right on. fight lasts for hours, each ram battering the other dozens of times.
2: Head to Head.
0: All right, we are going head to head. Two LPs that came out in the year 2000, two of the most popular bands of the era we are putting the Hope Conspiracy LP Cold Blue up against the self-titled debut album From Tragedy. And Dan, this was a a matchup that you chose, so uh, let me know why you wanted to put these two together.
1: Um, I wanted to put these two together for the simple fact that they're both really kind of heavy, brutal, hardcore without being metal. Um two different genres but i would say lots of people who have one of these lps have the other one as well do you know what i mean both these lps really did amazing things in that year for both these bands and i thought it, it was a you know a, a pretty cool thing to that they came out in the same year so it it puts it on the same playing field in that regard as well
0: Well, right on. Let's jump right in. Uh, Which one are you taking, dude? Which one's better? Shit.
1: Well, let me talk about Cold Blue first. I love the way it opens with the the bass and the drums going like quick. Um, And um, he comes in with, Kill these words! And what I love about Hope Conspiracy in 2000 compared to... To I mean, I like hope conspiracy the whole ride don't get me wrong, but what I love about in in the year two thousand the band is really it's basically unbroken seven inch core. <laughs> do you know what I mean like a lot of these songs have the same kind of um same kind of like attack and sound and speed and as the Unbroken Seven Inches do, um, especially the And Fall On Proverb Seven Inch. Um, so also I love that his vocals, uh, Baker's vocals on on um, this album in particular are a little bit higher in the register and not as growly as they get later on. And I think that they sit, perfectly above the music or within the music um super cool i love the songs fragile carved out uh divinity sickness and then probably my favorite on the lp is the last song liar's parade um with the fucking like taxi driver part i'm talking to you <laughs> like it it's so fucking cool it's such a great lp now I listened to this a million times in the year 2000. And then I also listened to the tragedy LP a million times in the year 2000. And the thing about the tragedy LP, the way it starts with the acoustic like intro and then, and then literally, you know, in cartoons where the piano comes out the window and just lands on the head of someone, yeah, That's what happens with this first track, The Point of No Return. It just smashes you right away. Do you know what I've always thought is funny, though, about the end of this song, you know, where the main vocalist is like, and they won't have to burn the box. And then the other person, when no one reads them anyway, but the way he does it, he's like doing growly vocals, but it's almost like he's like regretting it halfway through. He's like, and no one reads them anyway. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That's just something that like always sticks out to me about that. What I love about tragedy and this tragedy LP in particular is when it's part discharge, obviously it's very DB. It's what brought a lot of the DB stuff back to the forefront of being in everyone's record collection. But it's also got like sabbathy parts and like neurosis parts and for lack of a better thing, even like snapcase esque parts, like the guitars do very atypical things compared to how dirty and grindy and discharge that the rhythm section is going, you know? Um and then the vocals are really gruff on top of it, but when the guitars go and and utilize those guitar pedals and go for the higher parts and and expand the musical like landscape of what these crushing 45 one minute 45 second like punk destroying songs are i think that is the beauty of tragedy that is why they stand above everybody else who channels this sound is that they just are so talented and utilize such atypical um parts going into this music and that's why this lp is is you know i just said it earlier but it's a five mics in the source classic like i'm going tragedy just slightly over cold blue but i love both records and if anyone is listening to this who's never heard either of them oh my god you're in for a treat
0: yeah. See this matchup. See, I wanted to do the SSD LP versus the DYS LP because I thought it was close. Um the tragedy LP bodies hope gone. Like I'm trying to figure out a way to, to dance around this and stay positive. Because, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I'm gonna just send it to Joe while I uh
5: Oh man, I was gonna I still I was figure gonna,
0: out how to dance. I, <laughs> I gotta gonna, learn I how to dance. F- I gotta I gotta watch some YouTube videos real quick. <laughs> yeah,
5: I was just gonna follow off you. While you're dancing because the the tragedy record just crushes that the 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 uh, hope conspiracy record. Those songs of hope. This hope conspiracy record is fantastic. It's it's great, but it's you know the tragedy stuff is way more at my my personal alley of what I love. So um, the songs are. Um, I mean they're about equal footing. Uh ten, fourteen songs, ten on the hook con and fourteen on the tragedy. Uh you know, the later that the what is it? Vengeance is it Vengeance Next? I can't remember the order. Vengeance yeah. is the second LP. Yeah. yeah. So so their recording budget got way better on the on the next record on Vengeance, because it sounds so much better than this. But this, you know if you take it in evolution from his, his hero's gone to this. So, so it makes sense that this is the next like evolution of, of of what they sound like. Um, but it's still, it, 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 um, you you know, we talked about the other records earlier that they stayed away from, from dirtying themselves up on purpose. These guys didn't dirty this up. It's just, that's just the way it is. That's, that's just the way they sound. Um, so, uh, it, you know, it, it captures them clearly. It just, it got better. So the, the recording is better on, on the next, you know, on vengeance and, and, uh, the next record after that. Um, the whole conspiracy stuff, like I said, is really good. I like that. All the songs are super short. It, it's an easy listen t- through from top to bottom. Um, it's just, it's it's just not my thing. So. That's that's all I got to say.
0: <laughs> so two for tragedy. All right. Um, right. Let's see. Let's just talk the tragedy LP first. Dude, this is like, I don't know. It's 20 years ago, modern now, but whatever. This is like in my span of being into hardcore. This is like a classic that I lived through, right? Like you take a, a genre like DB, which is like tried and true and add melody to it. This is like. Genre smashing great LP like they're writing like D beat opuses dude. Yeah. You know, like the what's the confessions of a suicide addict, something like that advocate advocate. Like, yeah. yeah. That's like a four minute song. And it's just like, give me more. Like it could have been 17 minutes. It's like keeping my attention and I don't want any song to be over 90 seconds. You know what I mean? Like these guys tap into something that is just like godly. Like, this LP is so brutal. And, and, Dan, I think it is important to mention, like, this isn't just D-beat adding melody. Like you said, like, they're drawing in, you know, some Sabbathy stuff. It's really like a, a conglomeration of, like, any band that wears, like, cut-off jean vests, you know? <laughs> like, they took the best of, like, those bands and, like, put it here, you know? It is so ill. Like, this record... <laughs> I don't know what to say about it, dude. And the craziest thing is I like vengeance more, you know, like these are two of the most unfuck LPs, like in the history of music, because like, again, I don't do a carve out for like, Oh, it's great for a hardcore record. No hardcore music is the best music on the fucking planet. This is like one of the greatest guitar music records of all time, you know, and their second record is even better. Like what the fuck? You can't put anything against this stuff because it's like, it's one of those records when you put it on, you're like, "This is the greatest thing I've ever heard of my life, and nothing can beat it." You know, and there's lots of bands that I feel that way anytime I put it on. You know, it's like you put on Minor Threat, I feel that way. Put on Youth Today, I feel that way. Put on Agnostic Front, I feel that way. Madball, I feel that way. Like Bad Religion, I feel that way. Like there, but it's like, good god, dude, this thing is ridiculous. Now, moving on to the Hope Conspiracy LP. Well, give me another minute. I got to watch another YouTube video on how to dance.
5: <laughs>
0: I mean, look, I don't like this. Um Yeah, I'd rather be stuck in the Revolution Summer than have to listen to this again.
1: What? You know? Really?
0: Yeah, I don't like it at all. Um it sounds like you you're right, Dan. Like it it sounds like it's absentee debate core, you know? But those last two unbroken seven inches are great because they're just two songs and they're making like that left turn out of like a classic LP. I don't think I want to listen to a full LP of absentee debate like 10 times. You know, I like it because it's like this standalone song that sounds like nothing else. Unbroken does unbroken is a spectacular band that knocks like everything out of the park and they attack like this other like way of writing a song and do it again. You know, but here it is kind of, like, in LP format, and it's, like, a miss. Like, it's just not as good as that. And this, like, genre is just... I don't know. I like the... Both of you guys like that. That makes me feel better. And this is, I think, the first time I've ever been kind of negative on the pod, so I feel really dirty and awkward about it. But, like, (laughs) this kind of music is, like, one of my least favorites in the world. Like, I don't know. Like, it's straddling the line between like metalcore and rock and roll, like stop it, dude. I'd rather just listen to like something brutal or listen to motorhead, you know, like this mashup is, I'm just not feeling it, you know? And I listened to this record a couple times. And the first time around, I was like, okay, that third track, like the truth and purpose song, like that song bangs, dude, I'll give it to him, you know? And then I'm like subsequent listens. I was like, God damn it. I don't like that song either. You know? (laughs) So I guess I'm I'm stuck with like the riff on consumed, which is like ill as hell, like super heavy, awesome, heavy riff, but then like it just goes into that fucking shitty beat. I hate this, like the it's like the leave it alone beat, but like slower. Like the snare is on like the one. So it's like dot 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 dot. It's like there's nothing aggressive or wild about it it's just so trotting and i don't know i don't like it like i don't know what to say except that i this band was a good band i saw them you know it's like they're a a pro core hardcore band and they were good and people loved them and i ride for hardcore so i was happy for their success but uh i just don't like it so that's it and to put it up against like one of the greatest hardcore lps ever was a savage move dan so the tragedy lp bodies this and that's that you
1: you just did uh you just threw so the tragedy lp is the undertaker on top of the steel cage and hope con is mankind
0: no, dude, this is like straight King Kong Bundy, S. D. Jones.
2: <laughs>
0: you know, this is rough. That's like the the eight second win at WrestleMania one. You know, oh, like I before know. they even had lights in the crowd. I mean. You know, so again, I don't feel good about it. And people love this LP, so this is just my whack taste, right? I don't like a lot of stuff, you know. And usually, like usually, I get to be positive on the podcast because I'm choosing what we talk about you know, and, and I did try to give this like a fair shot. And so this band did great. They don't need my support. Like (laughs) they don't need my love. We should say I support them. Um, I wish their, their success and legacy, you know, the best, but, uh, I just,
1: Every time you try and like say, "Well, you know, I'm not happy for it." it it's it's just such a, yeah. it it's even worse <laughs> than just saying I don't like
0: it. Well, I'm sorry for that. I feel very guilty, and I'm gonna go take a <laughs> a bath in tomato juice, like I got sprayed by a skunk. Because, uh, I don't feel good about being negative on this podcast. It's not what this podcast is about. So, Daniel, that was rude.
1: Yeah, um, but you know what? I I enjoy both a lot.
0: You know, and I was stoked that Joe liked HopeCon. Like that was great. I want yeah, you know, it's whatever. Yeah, right on. I'll, I'll it's shut just up now. Different. And
5: you know, I, I I understand all your points, uh. But you know, I liked it because of that. I guess you know that it was had this quirky, I don't know, <laughs> rock metal thing with it. You like you like what you're talking about? You know. Yeah. I'm not gonna buy the record, but.
1: Well, yeah, what I, I do hope on is they go right up to the point of metal without being metal. Yeah, do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've said enough, dude. <laughs> yep.
1: Okay. <The> tragedy <laughs> wins, you know. Right. But we we somewhat knew that, but I thought it was going to be a little bit closer. Uh, this is the this is the modern Mike. Uh, these are like his two favorite bands, so this will be interesting to ask him about later on.
0: Well, don't make me feel extra bad. Like, oh, this is like the nicest guy on Earth's like, other than Andy Diehard, the night, the second nicest guy on Earth's like favorite matchup. <laughs>
5: <You
0: know? laughs> that sucks. All right, <laughs> let's let's wrap this up. Dan, say two more positive things about HopeCon, and uh, we'll wrap up the segment.
1: They fucking bring it live or brought it live, but I think they're getting ready to do uh, uh, s- some new material and stuff. I believe that they've been uh, meeting up and recording. Naraj has been coming up and playing with Jonas. Um, and uh, we went on tour with them, with Death Threat and Carry On and HopeCon and us, and it was one hell of a good time.
2: God damn it, baby, no, I ain't lying to you. I'm only gonna tell you one time.
0: All right. One thing I wanted to do with the pod, and we did it before with uh, bringing on Matt Henderson for a couple of questions, is I really want to just have like little segments sometimes of, of people telling fun stories. So if any of you people listening out there want to come on and tell a story, hit me up and uh, we'll put the story on the pod and talk about it a little bit. And so Ben has been telling me for a long time. He's friends with uh, Adam that played in the band Excel. And he's like, he's got this crazy Darby's Crash story. And so, uh, you know, he told me about it. I was like, you know what? Hit him up and see if he's down to come on the pod and tell the story. And then we'll chat about it. So Ben asked Adam and Adam was gracious enough to come on and and tell the story. So we're going to play it and then we're going to talk about it on the back end.
4: So we're here with Adam Siegel, who is a founding member of the band Excel. Um, He was the guitar player of Excel on the first two albums and he's also a founding member of the band infectious grooves and he has this great story to tell us
2: (laughs) all right uh my story goes back to 1980 los angeles uh the fairfax area to be exact um down the block from slash records actually uh, where i grew up and um i was 11 years old in 1980 and um there was I you know I was I was, I was into music I, I didn't really know what you know punk was yet besides maybe the Clash and Sex Pistols but listened to a lot of you know Cheap Trick and Led Zeppelin and that kind of stuff still mm-hmm. Devo but anyways I was super into music and this um, at night there was these uh, the summer of eighty there was these uh, reoccurring parties in uh, at the house that butted up to our backyard so our our backyard shared a fence. And if I peeked over the fence, I could see what was going on back there. And, uh, you know, it was loud music, you know, uh, sounded, you know, totally crazy. And I'm just like, this is awesome. And I'm I'm peeking over the fence, you know, uh, at nighttime, checking the stuff out, you know, a bunch of, you know, 100 adults uh, doing all sorts of stuff. It was just crazy looking. And and, um, to an 11-year-old, and uh, I got to see like two or three of those. And uh, I was curious who lived there. So me and my neighbor, uh, a guy named Chris, we went to, we went through a hole in the fence and, or, or, uh, you know, uh, wood, moved some wood aside and and got through the fence to the backyard. And we saw this back house, uh, like a converted garage, kind of, you know, guest house. And, you know, no one was there. The door was open. And so we went in and and there was, you know, just crazy skull, you know, skull graffiti, uh, basically just punk rock graffiti, 1980. It looked like the mask, I guess now in in hindsight. Uh, but you know, it it looks, it was scary, you know, like the, 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 mattress on the floor, like shit all over the place, pizza boxes, you know? Um, so we got out of there pretty quick and, uh, and, uh. And I never really thought about it much um, until one day, you know, cut to, um, I'm 19 or 20 working at Tower uh, Tower Video in uh, Westwood in, in the art department. And we had a um, magazine rack, a magazine stand kind of thing in, on the second floor. And we had cool books and, and magazines and mm-hmm. all sorts of stuff. So I was re- reading um, a book called Famous... You know, uh, death locations in Los Angeles or or something like that. You know, they talked about Marilyn Monroe. You know, uh, you know all these people who died in L.A. and how they died and what the what the address was and all that kind of stuff where it happened. So I saw *Darby Crash*, and I'm I'm like, oh man, I wonder where he died. And I'm I'm reading the story, and I'm like, what? You know, I, I read the address, and it's and it's literally the block, you know, behind my block. And, and I'm like, my brain's starting to work and I'm putting it all together. And I'm like, Oh shit, that was, you know, that was Darby crash's pad, you know, or he was, you know, I I don't know. I didn't know anything about it, you know, before the internet and I couldn't really start Googling stuff. And, but uh, suffice it to say, that's where he, he died. And uh, so I'm like, you know, who, who, who was playing these parties? Was it the germs? Was it, you know, but uh, I really don't know who, w- what bands were playing the parties. And I, um, all I know is that he died there and <clears throat> his, uh, I guess his friend Casey Cola lived there. Her mom lived with her mom or, or I, I don't know the details, but it was her house and, and they lived in the back house together. And uh, that's what I saw and heard.
4: <laughs> yeah. The, the, the book is the LA musical history tour by Art Fine, which, Art, Art Fine was a friend, is a friend of my dad's, and it came out in 1990. So ten years later, you open this book and you realize that that crazy room with all the skulls in it is that, the death site of Derby Crash, which totally trips exactly. me out. Because then you yeah, to too, and you end up becoming forming um, what chaotic noise five years later or Excel uh, after that is that right? Yeah,
2: 83 well, we formed chaotic noise, so three years after that, and and. And yeah, a lot happens in three years. I probably got into punk or started being exposed to punk rock and a year or so after that. Uh, And, uh, you know, I mean, living down the street from Slash was also cool because when I started, I I would see a little sidebar story, but out of the living room window, I'd see people like I've, I've, uh, that look familiar. Like um, I, I think I saw X and like the blasters and, Bands, you know, who would park on my block and then walk down to, you know, a couple hundred feet down to Slash Records on the corner, and uh, d- just anything, you know, involving music or anything, just really got me excited. So I went down to Slash and uh, just walked up the stairs and and uh, just said hi. And you know, I'm like eleven or twelve, and and this nice lady brought me down to their distribution little it was not a garage. It was like a, just a storefront that was, you know, kind of had a boarded up, you know, not for business, but they stored all their vinyl in there and, uh, just gave me like a stack of, of, of records and said, listen to these. And it was like, you know, the decline and, and all sorts of stuff.
4: And who was that lady?
2: Who was that lady? I, I think her name's Lisa, Lisa, Lisa Whittemore. If I'm not mistaken.
4: Okay. Yeah, but
2: uh, yeah, she was super cool. Like I, I was. It was scary going up there. I, you know, there was like you know whiskey bottles and adults. And, you know,
4: <laughs> from from reading the Darby Crash book, I think that that they actually had shows in that backyard that was against your backyard, and and oh, at least cool. either Forty Five Grave or Vox Pop performed in in that backyard or both. Because um, well, I'll tell you what, both bands.
2: I always thought. I mean, as soon as I, you know, a couple years later, when I when I got into punk rock and started, you know, seeing what bands look like, Forty Five Grave always struck me as the as the the band I remembered, um, you know, mainly because of the singer. I just remembered, you know, a blonde woman, and uh, yeah. So so I think that's maybe what I saw.
4: Yeah. And the trippy, the trippy thing is, I grew up nine blocks away from you. And I, I, know. I tripped out on that book too because that's when I found out where Derby Crash died, and and I remember seeing uh, written in the in the uh, pavement uh, in front of my junior high were all these, these punk bands that I was listening to, uh, and I think that was that was you wrote that in the pavement ten years earlier. Does that sound correct?
2: Uh, yeah, I did a lot of sidewalk graffiti uh, <laughs> before I, you know, did normal uh, graffiti. <laughs>
4: so we had the we had the same life ten year separated by ten years, but same junior oh, high yeah. listened to the same bands lived in the same neighborhood, which I thought was cool,
0: <laughs> yeah, it lit his head up like a fucking Christmas tree, but enough about you ben but uh <laughs> the, yeah, that was a great uh story like mo- like there's a few parts of it that are are neat, right obviously, like the derby crashing is wild, like imagine you share a fence with like the house where you know, 45 Grave played a backyard show and right. Arby Crash died. And then, you know, literally a couple of years later, like you're starting your own punk band and then he's like a lifer, like a punk lifer, right? Like yeah. it's so amazing to me, like early in punk, like the late seventies, early eighties, like it's just such a short amount of time. And like so much happens, right? Like imagine missing that by like two years, So wild, you know, in the span of like being into something for forty years, like it just sounds like cruel and unfair, you know. (laughs) And then also like going into slash, like that's so cool, like being a kid and just going in and being scared because there's like adults and whiskey bottles, and them just being super cool and giving you a stack of records, like what a win, yeah. You know what's what's your opinion on that story, Joe?
5: Yeah, the story's rad. Uh, uh, his side tangent side tangent is great too where where he talks about that you know getting those records uh you know seeing you know probably xing or like whoever walking up up to the you know park in front of his house and going going over there all that that's that's just super cool um yeah i i can just imagine that like had you actually known who they were to like how much more excited you'd be, you know, still being an 11 year old kid, but you know, like that's freaking, you know, you know, that's John Doe right there or, 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 you know, or Darby for that matter in his backyard or, you know, touching his backyard. That's like Forrest growing up with, cause he had, he had, you know, the, he shared a corner with, with Henry, uh, with Henry Knowles from aggression, the, 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 their backyards touched in the corner and then like the misfits were like staying at Henry's house and force was throwing rocks at him over the, over the fence and stuff. So. <laughs> <laughs> <I'll send Google. laughs>
0: Who are these yeah. kooks? <laughs> yeah. Dan, jump in here.
1: I mean, can you imagine that both Darby crash and Adam were walking the ground where 20 years later, Ben Edge would be close <laughs> by can you imagine
0: I mean that's that's the craziest thing ever like yeah.
1: you know. uh, Pre- predating hollow hollowed ground I think it, the, the part of the story that's pretty fucking crazy is like what is that place oh let's just jump the fence and walk in their house <laughs> yeah <laughs> wild <laughs> um, but yeah I mean that would be like you know living in Macclesfield and like being near the house where Ian Curtis like committed suicide, you know, it's just like eerie and legendary and uh, I don't know, just something that you'll always connect you to the music, no matter what you will always have that. Like, Oh my God, I can't believe I was right there without knowing I was right there, you know?
0: so weird all right well i think that was fun like i hope that we get more stories like that and uh you know there's a bunch of people that i uh actually you know i was talking to patty from uh, dillinger four he's got to come on he's got to tell us the story of how squirrel from billingsgate got his nickname so that's gonna be fun and legends then, uh, only yeah dude and then we got to get smelly on to tell us about the history of the right. so there's a bunch of stuff we want but yeah if if you guys are out there listening, you got some wild ass story about being at Fender's ballroom or some shit, hit me up 185 miles south at gmail.com or you can get at me through the uh, the Instagram. Me and Daniel both handle the the Instagram so uh, you can get either of us that way and uh, let us know and yeah, we'll play a story and talk about it on the back end. Um, Daniel, any closing thoughts? Oh, go ahead.
1: I, I can predict how smelly got his name. Okay. Oh. <laughs>
0: yeah he he didn't like the shower days dude come on <laughs> um
1: i gotta say you know what one's coming to a close soon and this has been an incredible year for hardcore and i have been loving doing the podcast and interacting with people who listen to the pod and like have nice things to say or even if they want to rail on me for something which happens <laughs> just as much as nice things to say <laughs> but you know what I love it. I love talking about hardcore and I love that the, the conversations go further. So I really do urge everyone out there to get involved, like send us questions, suggestions, or come on and tell these stories.
0: Yeah, there is one consensus of all the uh the listenership of 185 Miles South. That's that they all love episode one, the legend, Joe Revis. What's up, Joe?
5: Oh, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, uh, you know, uh, I I got to agree with Daniel. It's been a great year for hardcore for 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 music in general. There's been so much good stuff. I'm just so excited about music. I, you know, maybe maybe uh maybe COVID was good in that respect, you know? Um maybe it made people fine tune what they were putting out or something, you know? Like, you know, cuz we only got like just hit hit record after hit record Maybe not hits to anybody else, but they were to me, you know?
0: Um, So, yeah. Yeah, I think it's wild. Just expanding on that before we get out of here. Like, I really feel like 2019 was such a special year. Yeah. And it seemed like that all across the country. You know, just things were popping. All the music was great. And then it was like, this thing hits, COVID happens. And it's like, in spite of COVID, like, good God, 2020 was one of the greatest years of hardcore ever for LPs. And I was like, there's gotta be fall off in 2021. And then the 2021 comes around and it's like, Holy shit. It's not letting up, you know, and it's wild. And and those initial shows coming back, like, you know, they were so big and people were so excited. And, you know, I do see a little bit of fall off now. And I think that people, you know, I mean, that's just a thing of, of a youth culture, right? Everything is so short sighted, but I hope that people don't, uh, you know, lose track of, of how special this thing is. And, and the most special thing is, is go to shows, pay at the door, support bands, right? Like that's number one is, yeah, just do what you can. But number one is just showing up. You know, this is a participation sport, um, hardcore and it's, the music is great. The community is great, but you get it live the best in the room, um, being present, you know, and, and we can't lose that piece of it. So uh that's all. Daniel, closing thought.
1: Yeah, I echo that completely. There's no way to be able to explain what how special this thing of ours is without going. You know? Yeah. It we talk about the you know, the secret handshake, et cetera, but it it's an acquired knowledge and yeah, get out to shows. And force us to get out to shows more, because all us old fogies need to do it just as much,
0: even though it is a kid's kid's game. Yeah, man. That's right. All right, everyone, (laughs) we will talk to you on Monday.